why there are moms, dads, healers, and helpers around the world who love babies and toddlers. Welcome to another episode of Raising Baby. I'm Selma, and I'll be your host. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Grab your coffee and tea or whatever it is that you may be enjoying at this moment and take a few minutes to sit down and let's have a conversation about raising baby, infant mental health, and a history behind it today. That's what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. So super, super excited. I want to talk about this specifically in the first episode because a lot of people still don't know anything about infant and toddler mental health. Those of us who may have heard of it are assuming that it's a pretty new thing that, you know, research is coming out just recently to confirm or say that infants have mental health needs. And while that is true to some extent, I want to talk about the long history rooted in biological sciences and social sciences that led to the development of infant and toddler mental health. Another part that I'm super proud to share with you is a segment called Baby's Mental Health from a Baby's Perspective. Obviously, I'll be speaking. I wish I could have a baby (laughs) talk to you all and tell you what they're thinking and feeling. But we're going to be talking from a baby's point of view or baby's perspectives. We're going to be talking about what it looks like for them to have mental health needs and how they develop this mental health need. Uh, You guys, before we dive in, I want to ask you to subscribe to the podcast and give it a review if you like what we have to say. It's very important that you support us if you like what we are representing because the more of you that subscribe and give positive reviews, the more of the world will listen to this and hear the message that is incredibly important. So thank you if you are subscribing and reviewing right now. I really appreciate that. Why am I talking about this topic today? I really wanted to bring a much needed voice to infants and toddlers and make it known that mental health is a real thing, even for the little, little of us. You know, how many times, and and, you know, I I hope you can sense my frustration in my voice. How many times have you heard, you know, the little one won't remember, or they're too young to remember, or that won't really affect them because so forth and so on. Or little ones can't have depression or anxiety, or they cannot have any form of dysregulation. And then we focus a lot on their behavior and training them like sleep training or potty training, and we spend a lot of time and energy on that. So I really wanted to bring a different perspective on how infant and toddler mental health is different and what we can do to use attachment and connection in our relationship with our little ones to make it an easier transition for them where they can feel safe enough to learn and explore and develop a positive mental health that is going to follow them for the rest of their life. Infant mental health is incredibly important and we're going to get into that in just a little bit. Another part I get a lot of questions about is what is infant mental health and what is it not? And people are imagining literally me sitting down on a chair and an infant or toddler laying on a couch in front of me and me asking them, you know, how does that make you feel? And tell me more about this. And, you know, that's all dandy and wonderful. But what Hollywood is showing us about how therapy works, 
This is so far from it. <laughs> I may have infants and toddlers laying on my couch, but they may be asleep during our session. So, and, and we'll get into all of those wonderful things as the podcast progresses. Another thing I also get questions about is how do I set up a practice with infants and toddlers? And a lot of us out there, unfortunately, still don't believe that there is a need for mental health services for such a young population. We tend to shy away from learning more about it or working with this population. Um, so it, it's it's incredibly important that as you listen to this podcast, even this episode and future episodes, that you become aware that infants and toddlers struggle as much with mental health issues as adults and older children do. The general population, it's about 24% of the general population worldwide struggles with mental health issues. The same number is true for infants and toddlers. There is a big, big, big need. I'm actually offering a webinar on this. It's an introductory webinar uh, on December 16th. So if you're interested in learning more about it, I have the link in the description below where you're listening to the podcast right now that you can look up and sign up if you're interested. Without further ado, let's get into the first segment. What is infant mental health? And let's talk about the awesome history behind it. So what is infant mental health? Infant mental health is a infant and toddler's ability to develop social and emotional skills within a safe and secure relationship with their caregiver. So the focus is on infant development and relationships. It's extremely important that infants and toddlers know who to depend on, that they have consistency in their care, and that the relationship that they're depending on is a safe and secure one with a person they can trust. So when we're looking at a macro level, a big level of what infant and toddler mental health is, we are also focusing on how the environment the child is living in is affecting the development. So we are looking at poverty levels, we're looking at violence, addiction, homelessness, etc. We're also looking at the quality of relationships with immediate family and how those are influencing the relationship between the primary caregiver and the infant. Another big important aspect of infant mental health is the parent's bond toward their infant. And this bond, this 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 relationship from the parent really starts developing while the baby is still in utero. What what I mean by that is what expectations does a, a you know new parent or soon to become a parent have of this baby? What are they daydreaming about? What motivations do they have? What expectations do they have of the infant of their relationship with them? What do they imagine to be uh, that the, what what do they imagine that they're going to be like as parents? All of these things drive the relationship between them and their infant, which in turn affects the infant's mental health. There's a really cool quote by Dr. Vincott that came out in 1964, where he said, if you set out to describe a baby, you'll find that you are really describing a baby and someone. A baby cannot exist alone, but is essentially part of a relationship. And I love how succinct this is. And I really love how it really makes a lot of sense to infant and toddler mental health because without a caregiving adult, a person who is consistently present and caring and taking care of this little infant, they, you know, they wouldn't survive. 
infants need that caregiver, that caregiving connection and safety in order to thrive. Without it, there's, it's a dead-end street. Another part of infant mental health is that it's an intradisciplinary field. So what that essentially means is that it takes a few different forms of practices and practitioners to come together and their expertise and concepts to form infant mental health. So it could be therapists, a speech language, speech language pathologist, an occupational therapist, as well as researchers, as well as advocacy people. <laughs> I say advocacy people because I don't know what they're called in their, in their roles. So excuse my ignorance. I apologize. But advocacy is strongly important. Um, and, and without these, all of these aspects, infant mental health would not be what it is. So it's really particular and unique than the other mental health fields because it requires such an interdisciplinary focus and it really forces us to work together with other practices and other practitioners, which kind of sounds really cool because infants need all around care, right? And we're not just focusing on one aspect, we're focusing on several. It is also an educational discipline. It's a clinical field and a research discipline. So what that means is that there are programs out there that educate professionals on how to treat infants and toddlers, how to work with them. Then there are practitioners in the clinical field like mental health counselors, like speech language pathologists, like occupational therapists, like medical doctors, etc. that apply it clinically. And then of course, it's a research discipline where we spend a lot of time conducting research to ensure that we are in fact doing the very best we can for infants and toddlers. Because it's a multidisciplinary field, no one, no one can claim and say, hey, I know it all. I know it best. If anyone does say that to you, you need to run <laughs> because they don't know it all. Um, but it, it really is a community of practitioners, of, of experts working together to ensure the best for babies and toddlers. One important aspect I want to talk about when we refer to infant, there is some confusion about what age frame we're talking about. And in infant mental health, when we say infant, we are talking about the prenatal period. So in utero, all the way to 12 months, which means the first three months of a baby's life. And infant also refers to 12, that 12 months to three years. So let me clarify that. In infant mental health, we when we say infant, we're referring to the in utero experience all the way through when a child reaches the age of three. That is different than what pediatric are referring to infants. When, when you go see a pediatrician, they will most likely refer to a child who is born all the way through 12 months and then they become a toddler in their perspective. So in clinical terms, when we talk about infants, we are talking about infants being all the way up to age three and they begin being infants 
in utero. Hope that made sense. So uh, I, I think it's really important to make that distinction because let's uh, let's face it, three-year-olds and two-year-olds and one-year-olds, <laughs> they need our help. It's it's not something, there's no magic switch that happens at the age of 12 months where all of a sudden they don't need us as much as they did when they were 11 months old. So it takes a little bit of time. It takes, it takes consistency and it takes a lot of effort on the parent to get the, their infant to where they really need to be. A cool part about infant mental health is that it's a strength-based discipline. So when you have clinicians working with families, uh, we're looking for strengths in that family, in that relationship between the parent and the child. And using those strengths, we try to build up on them to help eliminate the problems that there are in the relationship. So when we do assessments, when we do interventions, um, it's always strength-based. A really cool thing that as I did research on this topic, it became very clear that assessments in mental health, in infant mental health, are seen as intervention. Because when you're looking for strength-based things to come up, uh, they happen through assessment, right? So when this does happen, the assessments are seen as intervention. And so for those of you practicing infant mental health in your practices, anytime you assess, you're doing interventions. Yay. And when you do intervene, because it's such a fragile population, such a fragile age, such a early childhood age, right? You're also doing prevention. How cool is that? So through assessment, you're doing intervention. And then through intervention, you're doing prevention. Whoa, let that sink in, right? So maybe I can just say like assessments equal intervention equals prevention, right? I just thought that was mind-blowing for me because I never have actually put that out for myself in that form. Kudos to you all that are doing assessments that are actually intervention, that are actually prevention with infants and toddlers in your practices. As a mental health clinician working with infants and toddlers, the clinician's role is really to understand the infant's individual experience and to help the infant's caregivers empathically appreciate that experience. What I'm trying to say with that is that clinicians are supposed to be looking at the world through the infant's eyes. Hint, hint, that's why we have the baby's perspective segment in this podcast. But it's really important because when you look at the world from a baby's perspective, you all of a sudden see different contexts that you normally wouldn't. And then you can help translate these and connect caregivers to these, which then eventually sink in and form deeper connections between them and the care of, and the child and the infant. I have never, ever met a parent who walked through my door who did not want what's best for their baby. Sometimes their own stuff, their own mental health needs, their own baggage that they carry along with them 
prevents them from seeing the world from their baby's perspective. And let's face it, society does not really allow for that, right? We are there to discipline and punish and be punitive and have kids obey and respect us. And infant mental health provides a very different view on how to do this without being punitive and scary and threatening to our little ones. So as a clinician, and I am sure as a speech-language pathologist, as well as an occupational therapist and nutritionist, etc., it is really important to connect with the parent so that they can start connecting the world from a baby's perspective. By now, a lot of us have heard about the adverse childhood experiences or the ACE scores, and this kind of falls along with that, right? The higher the ACE score, the the more likely the child will engage in risky behaviors and have substance abuse issues and have physical health issues along with mental health issues. So when a parent's ACE score is pretty high, then they're going to struggle with perceiving what the baby is thinking and feeling and looking at the world from their perspective. And this is where that clinician, the the practitioner comes into place and says, okay, let me help you connect the dots, but let's clear up some of your own stuff and see how that's affecting how you view your baby and how you view the parenting of your baby. And then let's kind of go from there. It is incredibly important for a clinician to understand the different contexts of environment the baby's living in. So we need to understand the importance of relationships, not just the relationship between the caregiver and the child, but what's the relationship like with the parents, between the parents? What's the relationship like with the grandparents, with siblings, with aunts and uncles and friends, etc. We need to know what the family culture is, what the culture overall is, what their religion is, ethnicity, race, gender. All of these things need to be part of an assessment a clinician, a provider of infant mental health does in order for it to really be part of infant mental health treatment and understanding what infant mental health is for that specific baby. No babies alike. Even if they're in the same family, different relationships will arise. Different contexts will play a factor. We need to address what um, socioeconomic status, what medical history, what has happened inside this family to affect this baby's view of the world and how we can help bridge the gap between them and their parent. What I love about being an infant mental health clinician is that it gives me the the role, the responsibility to support parents, to be attentive toward them, to be warm and sensitive toward them. And and that in turn teaches them how to do that for their babies and, and toddlers, right? And when, when we are able to model these behaviors for parents, they are able to then translate this into their own parenting. I have absolutely loved every single parent that has walked through my door because it takes so much courage to walk through that door and say, hey, 
I have a problem. I'm embarrassed to say, but I have a problem. And I think it's affecting how I am parenting my little one. I think it's affecting how they're relating to me. And I am so sad to say, but I think I am, you know, struggling with my bond and attachment toward my baby. I need help. And I applaud every single parent that has ever walked through my door to with the courage to to come in and say these things and to get help, seek help and get better because they want to break that cycle, the trauma, the, the pain, the unnecessary baggage that they carry in that parent-child relationship. They want to break that cycle because they know they're a little one and they deserve better. Unfortunately, something that continues to be very controversial in infant mental health is the belief that there is existence of mental health problems with infants and toddlers. Society is very reluctant to believe that little ones, so cute and adorable and young and, and just fresh, right, can struggle with in, uh, with mental health problems and psychiatric disorders. So I think there's a lot of stigma, additional stigma associated with that because parents feel like they failed, they did something wrong, that, you know, how can such a brand new human being, a brand new baby experience these things? What is it that I did to cause this? And more often than not, parents are not the cause of it, but it's the relationship between them and their own parenting experience that can really help the child, help the baby, help the toddler overcome whatever it is that they're dealing with. Infant mental health clinicians are, again, trained to look for strengths. So if you're a parent listening to this and are like, I really could use some help in understanding what's going on with my infant and toddler... Please, when you seek out an infant mental health specialist, know that these people are trained to look for strengths in your relationship to help you feel better so that your relationship with your little one thrives and it becomes better and securely connected so that they can thrive and become the person that they're destined to be. And I know that kind of sounds cheesy, but it really is the truth. It, it really is. As infant mental health providers, we have to be aware of our own stuff that comes in with us to every client meeting, every client session, every client interaction. It is therefore crucial that we seek our own supervision that is very reflective in practice. We have to be aware of our own stuff that comes into that relationship between us and the caregivers and the infant. We have to be very careful for that transference not to happen. We have to be very careful that our own subconscious and unconscious stereotypes don't become part of whatever is going on with the client, um, which is the relationship. So between the parent and the child. Seeking out reflective supervision has been a integral part of my practice with infants and toddlers. I Every time I meet with my supervisor, I become more aware of my own stuff, of my own stressors, of my own, um, of my own stereotypes. As, as much as I, lo- I hate to admit it, I mean, there are stereotypes that I daily have to be aware of and have to work on. And 
when I am aware of them, I don't allow them to influence my work as much, right? We are all human beings. So that is crucial in your development as an infant mental health specialist to find a supervisor, to find a reflective supervisor who can help guide you to become more aware of you, to accept your clients for who they truly are, and to meet them where they really are at and not have any expectations and to help guide your clients to where they want to be. Not give them advice, but help guide them to where they want to be. I just read a quote somewhere that said, you know, we are not there to rewrite a person's story, but we are there to help a person write the beautiful story that they already have inside of them. And that takes a lot of reflection on our own stuff to help parents reflect on their own stuff so that we together can help the baby do their best. I've had a lot of fun talking to you guys about what infant mental health is. Let's jump ship right now and talk about where in the world did infant mental health come from and how did the interest in into, into infant mental health begin. And what I've really realized through my research is that it there's really no simple answer to this question. <laughs> I think there's always, I don't know, I feel like in, in, in mental health, there is always that there's never a simple answer to this question. But this really is the fact for this, at least for, for my experience here. Um, there's so much literature and too many big names and too many points of origin to really state this is where it started. But there's a unison that it did start in biological sciences. So evolutionary theory, systems theory, and psychoanalytic theory. I am not a history buff, so I'm going to make this very layman term because I do think it's very important that we know where infant mental health came from because it is not so brand new as some of us think of it, and it has deep roots within um, all of these theories. Evolutionary theorists started to look how behaviors were impacting early childhood, so they wanted to understand if parents did something different or if a baby was displaying a certain type of behavior, whether that would play an impact on their development down the line. When we talk about systems theory, it actually provided a new form of communication for different uh, schools of thought. So this is where that interdisciplinary term came up, where they were able to actually come together and help each other out and form different language or form different tools to collaborate so that they can explain infancy in a better perspective from different fields of research. And it really provided new skills and new words and challenged a view that behavior from early childhood did not matter. So I thought that was really cool. 
Then we talk about psychoanalytic theory, which all of us, when we hear psychoanalysis, we think of Freud. And he actually kind of, sort (laughs) of set in motion a lot of thought about infancy because his work is one of the earlier works that talks about how important infancy is to later life development. Uh, Most of his theories have been debunked down the line, but it's really interesting that he was one of the first people to think about how infancy and early life and relationships between primary caregivers and the infant affected the rest of the life. So that is really as far as I want to take it with where the history of infant mental health came from. Now I want to talk about some of key names that came up for me in my research and and in our school books that you guys can look up and do more of your own research if you like. The first person I want to talk about is Dr. John Bowlby, and he is our attachment theory father, right? He's the person that came up with the importance of attachment between a caregiver and a child and, and how it is that a child can thrive in a safe and secure relationship between them and their baby. Then Renee Spitz is thought of being the father of infant mental health mental health issues. So he's the first, he's a psychiatrist who provided the first theoretical orientations on infant psychiatry. He's the first one who wrote about infant psychiatry, that there could be some things that, you know, we need to focus on and look at and that there are infants who are experiencing infant mental health problems. He recognized that infants have three explicit organizers, which he called a social smile, the eight-month anxiety, and communication. So he was the first one to recognize that infants are interacting with their caregivers through smiling at them and creating that social smile. And then that eight-month anxiety, right, the stranger danger, and that they're communicating with us. So I thought that was pretty cool to bring up and talk about here. And of course, the wonderful Selma Freiberg, she was a child psychoanalyst and pioneer on so many levels in infant mental health. She had a common interest as Anna Freud. She really wanted to study how blindness affected infants and the relationship between them and their caregivers. But what she's really, really known for is her book called The Magic Years. And it's still referenced in schools. As a matter of fact, I had to read it through one of my trainings um, where she talks about ghosts in the nursery. She's a pioneer who said parents' past experiences that were not so well perceived or that that left parents traumatized are in fact ghosts of their nursery and need to be addressed because it will eventually affect how they're parenting. One cool thing about this is that her book, The Magic Years, sold 1 million copies in one year, guys. And for that time period, that's a pretty, pretty big big deal. Alicia Lieberman, you guys are going to hear me talk about this phenomenal woman during many of my podcasts and many of my trainings. She is a true pioneer of infant mental health. She proposed that infants are social organisms who exist in relationships within like a dyadic relationship. She 
really stated that infants are different and that the, the, the integral part to understanding how infants function is to understand their individual differences. She studied how the environment of where an infant is being raised affects them. And she also talked about advocacy. She took it a step further and talked a little bit about that. She, the biggest thing she's known for, at least in my world, when I think about her, is that she created the angels in the nursery. So she added on to Salma Freiburg's work and said, yes, there are ghosts in the nursery for sure, but there's also angels in the nursery and we can use these angels in the nursery to build on those strengths to help parents reduce or eliminate their ghosts in the nursery. And then I'm going to mention a few that I am very hopeful we will have on this podcast one day. Their books are phenomenal. I am going to list them in my show notes so that you can look them up and read them. If you're a parent, if you're a clinician, if you're a speech language pathologist, a practitioner, this is super important. Dr. Dan Siegel, he is sort of the father of interpersonal neuropsychology. Then we have Dr. Vanderkolk, who is the pioneer in pushing forward developmental trauma and really helping the world understand how important it is to focus on infants and toddlers to prevent future effects of their trauma onto them. Then we have Dr. Bruce Perry, who is also a phenomenal resource. He's probably one of my favorites, who talks about how the brain works and how the brain perceives threats and trauma and how we cannot treat infants and toddlers from a top-down approach in their brain, but rather a bottom-up approach where we have to help them regulate first before we provide them with tools and resources to help them overcome whatever it is that they're dealing with. These are some awesome people that I wanted to bring up to you all. And another really cool thing that I did not know that really surprised me is that only about 150 years ago did we start recognizing infancy as the period that we know know it now for. So I talked a bit earlier about how in the mental health in the infant mental health world, infancy refers to in utero all the way through three years of age. Uh, well, prior to not, uh, about 150 years ago, we were using this term to refer to children who were school aged. So if we were talking to clinicians and doctors. 200 years ago, when we said infants, they would be thinking about school-aged kids and not babies. I thought that was super interesting. I found a lot of interesting things in terms of how the field has progressed and where we are finding a lot of interest versus losing interest. So I found a study that reviewed the Infant Mental Health Journal since its establishment, And it found that there was the field overall was losing interest in studying low birth weight and premature babies, that we are losing interest in studying fathers' roles. And the most interesting drop, they said, was parent education and support and training. But they found that the field was gaining interest in studying maternal depression, attachment, parent perceptions and attitudes, as well as cognitive 
cognitive development and substance abuse within the parent-child relationship and the parent's history. So I thought those things were super interesting and, and big deals. And I hope that our field does not continue to lose interest in that. I hope you guys enjoyed what I had to say in terms of infant mental health and the history of infant mental health. And I want to remind you guys to subscribe and review if you like what I had to say, because we need to really share this message with the rest of the world. Thank you all. And let's listen to the baby segment right now from the baby's perspective. Okay, stay tuned. And we're finally here at the baby perspective segment. I am going to be talking about baby's mental health needs from a baby's perspective. And this baby's perspective segment we're titling, I do have mental health needs. So without any other holdup, here we go. Let's dive right into it. Hi there, mom and dad. I wanted to let you in on a kind of a big deal. I'm not really sure where this got lost in translation through time, but I really need you to understand this. I am your baby, and I do have mental health needs. I'm a human being with the exact same organs and structures you have. Granted, I'm a little human being right now, but based on what you've been telling me, that won't last a long time. Every second, I am learning new things. Every minute, I am feeling new things. Every hour, I am understanding new things. Every day, I am a day older and wiser. Every week, I am stronger and bigger. Every month, I reach new milestones. Every year, I see the world from a different perspective. My brain is so active right now, and I absolutely love it. I am so curious about the world around me. I want to touch and feel everything. I want to see everything. I want to hear everything because these experiences will allow me to make more connections. I am curious about feelings. I am curious about movement. I am curious about what my eyes are seeing. I am curious about what my ears are hearing. I am curious about what my hands and feet are touching. I'm curious about what my mouth and my tongue are tasting, and I'm also curious about what my nose is smelling. I am curious about relationships too, mom and dad. I am most curious about my relationship with you. I love spending time with you. I love learning from you. I love your smell. I love your voice. I love your laugh. I love seeing you guys together and interacting with other people. With each new connection my brain makes, I am more awake and aware. With all of these new changes, also comes some uncertainty for me, mom and dad. Like, what do I do when I'm feeling sad? Or, why am I so scared when my mommy leaves the room? <laughs> Or, what is it that I'm feeling when I see my daddy mad? Or, What is it that I'm feeling when I make eye contact with my mom and we're spending time together? Or what's my dad feeling when we spend time together? I'm really curious about that. He has the biggest smile on his face. So many questions are answered through my new form connections, while so many new questions arise. It's hard not having words to tell you what I need, mom and dad. It's hard when the only way I can communicate with you is through crying or my body language right now. Hey, but can I ask you a question? I don't understand how it is that you lost this form of language as you grew older. I bet you were a baby once too. 
what happened? Where did this get lost? It's hard when all of a sudden those around you don't believe that you will remember things. I feel a lot of things, mom and dad. I think a lot of things, mom and dad. And I've been told that thinking and feeling is something I'll be doing for the rest of my life. So I really need you to understand that my mental health is just as important as yours. It's real, it's here, and I remember things. I really do. My mental health will drive my relationship with you. My mental health will allow me to learn and play. It will allow me to grow and become a healthy, caring adult who can carry their emotions, form strong relationships with others, and be a successful person on my own terms. My mental health really matters, mom and dad. And you play a big factor in it. If you are doing well, mom and dad, I'll be doing well. But if you need help, it's okay to ask for help because guess what? If we work on this together now, we can prevent lifelong effects on our future. Mom and dad, please remember that my mental health is real and it's very important to my development. I love you and thank you for taking this time to understand what I need you to know. In our next episode, I want to kind of give you a heads up. We're going to be talking about why infant mental health is important, and we're going to hear from a baby's perspective as to why they think it is important for us to be aware of their infant mental health needs. Oh, I cannot believe we're at the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you've heard today, please subscribe and review our show and help spread the message of raising baby. Next week, we will be talking about attachment and babies and how just because you're practicing attachment parenting does not mean that your baby is securely attached. You don't want to miss it. Thank you and until next time, my friends.